All right. I just hit record. Oh, my God. It's happening. No. It's too soon. We can do this. <laughs> I believe in us. I think, I think we have the power. I believe in us, too. All right. That's unanimous now. I feel like we need to open up a portal, jump through into another universe. Grab a solution. Figure out what kind of solution. Steal it from that universe. Remove it from them. Jump back here. Doom them to a terrible eternity of no solutions. That's what we do here, right? I thought solutions were non-rival. I thought if they just gave it to us and then we could use it and they could continue no. to use it. I want to steal oh, solutions. Theft. I want to steal them oh, from other people so they have like... nothing. <laughs> then would... Supply and demand. Then we are the only place for solutions. We could charge whatever we want. Well, welcome, everyone. I'm Scott Moppin. I'm Adam Brouse. And you're listening to Solutions from the Multiverse. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome, everyone. Back again with another episode. Popping off. Okay. Got to go straight in with the idea. Okay. Here's the idea. So it's kind of hard to say it in one sentence. So I'll just say like a few sentences. Okay. Uh, it was bad that Russia invaded Ukraine. They shouldn't have done that. I feel like I'm not going on too much of a limb with that one. So far, I yep. Yep. The efforts we've taken to like fight Russia have not actually worked very well. Mm-hmm. And they're still it's still a war, it's still going on. Mm-hmm. Things are bad still. I think we did it all wrong and we could have gone a completely different way that is kind of crazy and it would have been way better. And so- I call that the Russian charm offensive. So what we did is we said, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do sanctions against Russia. Mm-hmm. We're gonna try to we're gonna seize their their uh, foreign investments, seize their central bank investments outside of Russia, and and do these huge sanctions. Even Europe blocking buying Russian natural gas, and America blocking buying natural gas and oil from Russia. Anyways, so the question is, what could we have done differently, or what could we do differently now? And I think the main the main kind of dynamic is this charm offensive. Yeah, what's the charm offensive? The charm offensive is to use charm as a weapon. Okay. Yeah. This is like being debonair to death. This is the idea. So the idea is the idea is um don't do don't do sanctions because those don't didn't work really. Russia's only actually gotten wealthier because the oil price is so high because of the sanctions. Mm. And they were they've been preparing for years for sanctions, so actually it didn't really affect them that much to do sanctions. And uh yeah, and then and then instead of being anti-Russia, be anti-Putin pro-Russia. This is the charm offensive. So like we should be pro-Russian culture. We should be like celebrating Russian music, Russian literature, Russian. We should like invite, like the New York Ballet should invite on an all expense paid tour, the Russian ballet to New York to come and do a ballet for everyone. And at the beginning say, welcome to like New York. We welcome you and like love Russia and we love Russian ballet and we're so glad you're here. And we stand against Putin and ah. his invasion of Ukraine, but with the Russian people. Try and, and by using culture, you can actually win over the Russian people to the Western side and and actually hurt the Putin uh, kind of cadre, kind of junta. 
Yeah. But but what we did is actually we pushed all the Russian people into the the Putin junta's hands by putting sanctions that largely just cost Russian people money and actually proved to them that Putin's propaganda that we like hate them, which is crazy. We don't hate we don't hate Russia. Like I'm studying some Russian painters right now. They're incredibly beautiful paintings. I admire their paintings. I don't like Putin, mm-hmm. but like we can love Tchaikovsky and and you know and not like Putin. So I do you see what I mean? Yeah. So in a sti- in a stick and carrot type approach, instead of the the stick where you have the sanctions making the people mad enough that they grumble up the chain to Putin, you're doing the carrot version where you're kind of like separating the Russian people from the leader, and you're 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 saying you know even though the message you're getting from your top down is that America wants everybody, every Russian dead. The real thing is we don't, we just want Putin out of there because he's the problem who he's the bad driver of your bus. And we like you guys a lot right? instead. And that that would have a different effect. And the opposite is what has happened because we took this, the leaders, you know, political leaders, I'm not trying to blame Biden. I think this was the, a lot of people on the kind of foreign, foreign, uh, you know, affairs groups were like, yeah, we need to put up sanctions. We need to do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't see a single voice say we should invite the Russian Moscow ballet to New York. You know, nobody said no, this. Right. That's why we're on this podcast and not a foreign affairs podcast who, right. you know, um, but, but, but I think, I mean, I've met a few Russians and this would have had a tremendous psychological effect on them. If they knew that there was all this charm offensive going on where we were like, you know, uh, somebody like across the country, universities all said everyone should like read War and Peace right now because look what Russia's doing to Ukraine. We should read War and Peace because War and Peace actually teaches you the foolishness of invading another sovereign country. That's what the point of the novel is. It's not Napoleon invading Russia and how big of a jerk Napoleon is for doing that. It's a perfect book to read at this time. So if across the whole country in America, you know, university leaders and, and other kind of media leaders and, and government leaders were like, everyone should take a page out of Tolstoy's book. Everyone should be reading War and Peace right now in solidarity with the Russian people. I swear to God, Tolstoy cuts so deep into the Russian culture. Yeah. This would be one of the most powerful psychological blows you could effect onto the Putin regime would be to promote the reading of war and peace in America today. Also, I mean, if, if you can get a bunch of people to start reading a classic like war and peace, <laughs> that alone is a humongous magic trick with yeah. the American people. <laughs> but even if you just say, yeah. just say, read war and peace or, you know, or even better we're you know, NPR or, 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 or somebody is going to, Put on War and Peace, the sure. the book Just reading you to know, highlight like, yeah, Russian yeah. exceptionalism. Yes, and, you know like the like, wow. good things instead of yeah. focusing yeah. on the current negative. Yeah. Like what are the, what are the hit. things could yeah. you do for the charm offensive? I mean, I was thinking the because ba- they love ballet, they love you know they have Russian like Tchaikovsky and music. Do they and then they have their literature? I don't know what else. I mean, I mean, I always think of ways to engage with different cultures being like uh, festivals and different like fairs where you get to see uh, you get to kind of immerse yourself not in like the environment itself but you're surrounded by vendors who are uh, doing different like arts or different music and different food and different like crafts and different things and you can really get 
I, I mean, like a superficial, but it's good for for not having to actually travel anywhere. Like right. that sort of an experience. So you is, get like multiculturalism without having yeah. to travel, which is you what Americans to, need because they don't travel. And you get so to you engage with affairs. those with with another culture. Those uh, people in that culture get to like get to like do stuff and show off the things that they're mm -hmm. proud about and share things that are past just the stereotype things that you would get from whatever you get on like media or if you're not paying attention, right, right. whatever. I I have a question for you, which is that do you know of anywhere where this charm offensive type uh, tactic has been used or employed in the past? Or Honestly, I think it's used on America a lot in other countries. That sounds right. Right. Yeah. And I think they're like, probably, oh, we love hamburgers and we love American movies. The, the Westerns are great. Don't invade us. Please give us aid. Please trade with us. Like, please normalize relations. With sure. Us, yeah. Know? I, you know? there's a lot of that probably on the world stage, just kind of like yeah. sucking up where they're like right, sucking up. Yeah, yeah. Just coming in. But you don't, but, but I guess your question is when has it been like explicitly against the government, but explicitly for the people? That's really, yeah. That, that's a good question. Yeah. I can't think of an example right now. I feel like when people do international stuff, especially international conflict, our brains just turn off. We just become like cavemen, you know, like because because it because it should have been used more, you know, like like Iran, Iran is Iran is the perfect example of this. Like Iranian people are lovely. Iranian people are if you meet Iranian people, they are so lovely. They're so educated. They're so great. Like they have a very excellent, sophisticated, modern society. Yeah. And yet we treat them like their government and their government are a bunch of, you know, I don't want to get like a fatwa, but their government is like this, you know, religious fundamentalist. Like it's as if Marjorie Taylor Greene like won and took over America. That's what Iran is like. You know, we should have solidarity with them, and like pity them and like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, maybe I've been extremely lucky, but what I've found whenever I've gone out of the United States into other countries is that they're all full of everything, you know, like they're full of wonderful people and wonderful places and just, you know, like the whole gamut everywhere is, I, I think everywhere is kind of the same, you know, yeah. like in a, in a lot of ways, everywhere is the same, even though it's so different. There are a lot of analogs yeah, that yeah. that are the same in many places. It's harder for us to do an Iranian Iranian charm, charm offensive. Although I honestly think we should. I think it's I think it works for all of these cases because it what it does is it diffuses their demagoguery because their demagog their demagogic leaders can only continue to have power because they can say, "Oh, look how bad America is. They hate you. They hate us." They hate Islam, and so you know they can drum up you know people to support them. But if we were like, yeah, Islam's great, we're like actually all celebrating Islam in a multicultural way, but like saying this is great, this is fine. Instead, you know, then the, the demagogues would be completely turned around. Now in America, it's probably not feasible to get a bunch of people to celebrate Islam, but it is feasible to get people to celebrate Russian art and music and literature because we already do. It's part, you know, it's right. part, it's already in the, the, you know, it's already in the in the university literature departments and on people's mm -hmm. bookshelves and in people's record players and you know people already know you know people go to the Nutcracker. That's Tchaikovsky. It's Russian. You know, yeah. I mean, one of the problems, just naturally, with this sort of thing, is that 
the the moderate voices who are fine with stuff are not the loudest ones ever. You know, it's the yeah. it's the people who have strong radical feelings who are like, we hate this. Yeah, Those yeah, are the people yeah. you hear. And you'd never hear a chorus of people being like, we're fine with this because that's not something right, you chant, right, right. you know. But so, you could still be. I mean, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. vehemently. I mean, Putin is just a mafioso bully. He's a to- he's as if Donald Trump won and then just st- and then he did stop the steal and succeeded. The coup at the Capitol succeeded and Donald Trump was reinstated as president. That's kind of like what Putin is. Yeah. So we shouldn't. Would you want everyone in the world to hate you? Because Donald Trump won the Stop the Steal coup, no, you right, you wouldn't want that. No, right, you no, would want would people want to say America's still a good country. Yeah, the people of, of America not, not to deserve put, freedom, and Donald Trump is the jerk. Donald Trump is the 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 the, the anti democratic yeah. jerk. Yeah, well, I mean, I did when I lived in Japan uh, for a number of years. I lived there when George W. Bush was president, and there were ties with like people yelled at like myself and my roommate about George Bush. And we're like, we, we are not there. I agree <laughs> yeah, with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I am here with you, but, but I, yeah. I take, I could take it in. Cause I'm, I'm the, I'm the front facing aspect that you can interact with right now, you know, but charm offensive, charm offensive. I, I mean, I always think it's being nice and kind to people and compassionate is never the wrong way to go. So I'm always going to, kind of be tempted to go on that side of things so th- i'm not a hard sell on the idea of yeah. a charm offensive but i can see some people not wanting to the hawks. give up the the hawks yeah it's not like the w- hawks and the doves sure so you're saying the doves would like it but the hawks would be like no we've got to be like you know portray strength or something i think some people definitely get a hard-nosed line where they're like enemy is our enemy is our enemy and Everything we hate about everything about culture. them and everything yeah. that could ever that's be. That's so 1984. You know, right? that's so like very oh, Eurasia's always been. Well, a lot of the people who were brought up and that was their formative years yeah. are now uh, older and like so, voting so age. I wa- so I want to go like I want to go like ultra hawk. I want to go like above the dumb hawks who are just like Ugh, I hate the enemy. I want to go like above that and be like, no, we want to win. Yeah, you're like 3D chess. Yeah, you're 3D like, chess. Like, I don't even, sure, yeah, I do hate the enemy. The enemy is Putin and anti-democratic authoritarians all around the world are my mm-hmm. enemy and should be America's enemy. How do we defeat them? Well, guess what? By doing this strong arm stuff, this, this sanctions and this kind of, that actually just strengthens them. It's just that you're doing, you're literally just like shooting yourself in the foot yeah. before a foot race, right? before a, a, a marathon. If what I'm saying is hawkish, it's just 3D 3D chess hawkish. It's like, oh dang. And Putin would hate this. Like Putin would wake up with nightmares if if the university provosts all over the country yeah. all said everybody should read War and Peace because we stand in solidarity with the Russian people and against Putin's unlawful war in Ukraine. That message would be so much stronger than what did happen, which is, for example, they canceled the Russian symphony from touring in the United States. And they're just like, they, you're, they Russian, said, oh, no, you're, you're Russian. You're out. People aren't. Yeah, it's, yeah. And that's the exact, uh, that's the kind of thing that now how many people all hear that Russian propaganda news can, can put, ah, oh, the Americans, they, 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 you know, yeah. they, 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 they refuse to even have 
Tchaikovsky come or whatever, you know, the symphony. And they were going to put out bad stuff about America anyway. We're just saving the writers from having to do any work yeah, whatsoever. Yeah. And for but, them to not have to lie because they can just tell the truth. True. They yeah. can say, yeah, they, they do seem to hate us. It, yeah. It seems like the in, we have kind of, kind of ignored the inside of Russia people aspect of it in a lot of ways where we're focusing on the inside of Ukraine people aspect or the, I know that a lot of countries, a few countries that were bordering Russia were like watching them invade a country next door. And they were like, Oh, we're a country next door. Why don't we join NATO? And that's a development that Russia was like, Oh, we're not happy about that. You know, like things, things are happening on a global geopolitical scale, but the people inside of Russia right now, I don't hear a lot about yeah. what's going yeah. on or what, you know, it's just kind of like blanket Russia, bad Putin, bad Russia equals Putin, exactly. Putin equals Russia. Exactly. It's a, it's a total false equivalence, yeah. total false equivalence. The same way that if Donald Trump had won so, the, the steal, stop the steal and January 6th, he had reinstated himself as president. And then that that's exactly the same situation to, to imagine that everyone yeah. instantly in the country yeah, turns a sudden, into a person on board with that. Exactly. Yeah. Is that's exactly the same thing as saying, Oh, Russia, Russian equals bad. Russian equals Putin. Mm-hmm. It's mental. Yeah. And you'd much rather have people around the world saying, Hey, we're going to all be like, you know, we're going to all be reading, well, I guess 1984 was UK, John, Orwell. Orwell's 1984. He's UK, not America. But there's plenty of what if everybody was amazing reading, Russian literature. Well, I was saying sure. American literature. Like, what if everyone oh, around the world was like, we stand in solidarity with the American people against the anti-democratic forces of Trumpism in America? Like that. Oh. That would have been so amazing. What a great way to respond to. Uh, to anti-democratic things like, is with solidarity. If you right? support America, everyone in the world has to read Catcher in the Rye right, yeah. right now. Yeah. It's read gonna it. be it's tenth grade for everybody. They're all a bunch of phonies. <laughs> <laughs> this could just be a low key way to promote reading worldwide. Yeah, <laughs> that we're just trying to. It's a worldwide literacy program disguised as an anti-war uh, initiative. Whoa, that's deep. <laughs> We're going to get people to read by starting fake wars. I mean, wars. to be fair, a more well-read society hopefully would be less prone oh. to uh, decide to smash to into warfare. each other with violence. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, always I mean, working if you read War there. and Peace, you're not going to probably choose to fight a lot of wars because Tolstoy does a pretty good job of explaining how stupid war is. Is there a way, I mean, I haven't read it. Is there a way to only read like the peace part? Of War and Peace. Like, I, I think don't probably someone has made that. Just the peace edit? Yeah, sure. The peace edit of War and Peace. <laughs> okay. There's also oh. the war edit. It's no. fucking badass, no. dude. Leave the war edit out. It's awesome, dude. <laughs> Check out the war bits. <laughs> I had to read that in college, and everyone had to read it, you know, men and women. And it was interesting. Like, you know, it was a little gendered. But the women would be like, the, you know, the salons, you know, these amazing Russian salons where there's all this intrigue and people are falling in love and, and the women love that. And then the war parts are like cannonballs blowing up and killing everybody and horses getting their heads chopped off and stuff. And the guys are like, ah, oh, yeah, the war parts are really great. So there's something for everyone is what I'm they're saying. Asking, they're like, there's something for everyone. Oh, what are you reading? You're like, I'm reading war. And they're like, oh, war and peace. And you're like, no, I'm no, just reading war. Just, just war. Just war. I got the <laughs> pick, war edit. Pick that. <laughs> it's a fantastic book. Actually. Like people are kind of intimidated by it, but I wouldn't it's be. It's a thick one, right? I know, but it's not. It's not. I wouldn't be into it. About like Harry Potter, it's like that. It's ah, like it's like think three, about Harry Potter. It's like three of the Harry Potter books stacked together. Okay, you, you wouldn't be scared of reading three Harry Potter books. War and Peace is just the same thing, and short chapters. There we go. Which is critical. War and Peace is the same thing as three Harry Potter. It is. It is basically. 
I honestly think it's not too bad. Who the is the war and peace Voldemort? Is, is no, Napoleon. Oh, okay. Yeah, Napoleon Perfect. is Voldemort. Napoldemort. <laughs> Napoldemort. <laughs> Excellent. Vol. Voldemort. Voldemort. <laughs> okay, that's better. You think that's better? No, you hit, you hit it right first time. Napoleon. Yes, that was great. Where else could we employ charm offensives in it's, it's, in today's world? Honestly, Russia is a specific case where it could work because yeah. we already have so much Russian culture in our culture, especially mm-hmm. high culture. You know, I'm learning about Russian painting, which isn't well known, but it's it's actually really tremendous. Uh, I don't know why. It might be because of the Cold War. We don't know as much about it, but Russian art, it's like stunning. Like we, we had like in the West, we had like Monet and Van Gogh and, and stuff. It turns out the Russians had a whole other group of painters that were like, they painted differently, but they painted really well. And then they had this like Stalinist crackdown that sort of like pushed them all down. And the, the Stalin was like, you can't paint like that. You know, you have to paint just Stalinist revolutionary art. And then that stuff was like really technically well done, but it had no soul because all the artists were just like, literally you'll go to the gulags if you don't paint this way. Yeah. That is what I think of when I think of like uh, Soviet era art, you know, like that sort of, that sort of aesthetic. Yeah. It looks like Norman Rockwell, but with Stalin in charge. (laughs) Very dystopian. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Or just like, welcome to my dacha. I am strong Roman man, Russian man. I will be, you know, I will kill the, the, you know, I'm great class friend. Have you met my friend Zangief? He is excellent street fighter. (laughs) Right. And that's like, here is my, my wife. She wears handkerchief on head and classic Russian dress. And she is very good at chopping wood in the dacha. You know, and it's like, what? This is crazy. Everyone's like starving, starving. You know, Stalin is like starving out. Meanwhile, his wife is like, I wish he would chop the wood. I don't (laughs) want to be good at chopping wood. This is not what I signed (laughs) up for here. So then there was, well, this is getting into like inside baseball, Russian art oil painting, but still it's kind of cool. Then then after the Stalinist, Stalin regime sort of fell apart. Then there was this total reemergence of Russian art that was we didn't have in the West. Like we mm. just had like we just had the impressionists were fighting against basically the kind of stodgy sort of academic bourgeoisie art of the early 1800s. And then after that it was just pure freedom. Like you could just paint it however you wanted. And we had, you know, Pollock right. and people splattering paint yeah. and Modernism. covering their bodies in paint and crawling over the canvas. And stuff. Get to the limits. Right. What, but, what's not, what is art? What's right. not art? But the Russians had this like opening in the 1800s, just like the Impressionists. And then they had this closing Stalinism, then a reopening. So they have this very interesting art that with these kind of two breakthrough movements, you know, anyways, really great stuff. Obviously I would think it would be so cool for us to, as part of the charm offensive, have more Russian paintings that are being viewed or Art exhibits, seen yeah. on social media even. A lot of this charm offensive could be on social media. People could be sharing their favorite Tolstoy quote, their favorite Dostoevsky quote, their favorite Tchaikovsky piece of music, their favorite painting, you know, oil painting by a Russian, you know. The things you're talking about seem like an old, aimed at an older demographic for this charm offensive no i'm not not to be offense i'm just saying about me i'm not saying anything about you i'm talking about paintings and symphonies and war and peace classic literature i'm trying to figure out okay let's go what's our young charm offensive are we getting there's no k-pop from russia djs well there's got to be like djs and russian electronic i'm sure there's that's a good point yeah 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 so you have giant djs yeah and then you've got you've got your djs and your giant like 
throngs of people just dancing with glow sticks and then they're like and then he's like Putin sucks and then they drop the beat and that's this is your charm offensive separating that is good but if the DJ did that they probably couldn't go back to Russia yeah that's that is the problem right so when you have the dead guys like Tchaikovsky's dead so you can't get him in trouble he's not gonna like you land back in Russia and Putin's there with a like an mp3 going Hey, I would like to play something for you yeah. in Oongo, Oongo. the short amount of life you have left. Here you go. No, I think yeah, don't stand next to any like windows. hospital windows and like next. don't drink tea yeah, that's been given to the you list of that everything. you didn't make yourself. You know. Well, what else can we? For but younger, you're right. You're right. You're totally right. I, it can't all just be like classical literature. It's like that's insane. we're just not going to hit. All the, but all then the again, we ge- live. We, we live. We live in a, a gerontocracy. I mean, honestly, yeah. the people who the most powerful people in America are fifty and above. So you know, actually, it might make a big difference to be like putting on Tchaikovsky and putting on. We might, but need, yeah, you're right. Though I'm not. We might to, need like a reality show on. But again, if they're alive and they're Russians and they ever want to go back to Russia, they cannot it's be a involved. Problem. So we have to say, <laughs> part of our charm offensive is us going. We don't like Putin. We do like the Russian people, and then the Russian people have to be like, we don't like you. We do like Putin. Wink, wink. We can't say anything well, else, they just have to even say, if we think this. We're here because we're playing Tchaikovsky, and Tchaikovsky's great. Yeah. Because Putin, as powerful as he is, he could never say Tolstoy was a bad writer. That would He would immediately be thrown out of prison. Would he? Of, yes. That- <laughs> Dude. Russian people are incredibly literate. Like as joking as you are about Americans being like, "We're Americans are right. going to read this." In Russia, everyone reads War and Peace. Everyone reads Dostoevsky. It's well, crazy. Then here we go. Hold on, new solution. What about the rumor offensive? What if we just get some people <laughs> whispering, like, "Did you hear what Vladimir said about oh, to- about War and Peace?" Vlad, did you hear? Oh my Leo. goodness. Vlad, are you on Team Vlad? He said, or he team was, Leo? Are he you said team it was Vlad all run on sentences, and they're like, get oh, him out of there now. He is out. <laughs> Tolstoy wrote on run on sentences. He didn't actually. That was Dickens. That was a British guy, American. Americans don't write run on sentences either. Tolstoy wrote nice, short, nice, okay, you know, medium, normal length sentences. I mean, they worked for Hemingway, right? Not That's like Charles his, Dickens. He's very like. Well, Hemingway really went short. <laughs> very short. Child, what is the shortest novel ever written? The for for sale baby shoes never wore. Yeah, right. The oh, end. Oof. Sad. <laughs> See now, now you accuse me of making it sad. You did Ouch. that one. I I I actually made Ouch. it happen, but you prompted me, so Burn. I won't. I won't take that one. <laughs> no, the, but the Russians are extremely versed. It has to do with their communist past of of really giving everyone an education. Mm-hmm. Everyone could go to college. Everyone did. I mean, it's huge college education. In the communist times, state sponsored yeah, everything, yeah. right? You could all yeah. go, to, yeah. And women and men, everybody were going to going and highly, highly, highly educated. That's why you have all these Russian physicists and Russian artists and painters and you know things is because they all had this free education to this mm-hmm. these fantastic universities. So, so you were saying that this would work if we could go back in time, but also that we could implement it starting now. What, oh yeah, easy. What would that change? What would be changed? We would just have it to would kind of like, overnight start re- rewiring this. We would be stopping to hand over the power over to these demagogues because they could like we would have to make a lot of noise, like artistic and literary and 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 you know governmental civil leaders. We'd have to make a bunch of noise that we mm-hmm. stand with the Russian people. And the way we're going to express that solidarity is by 
celebrating the Russian arts and and maybe even their food and dance. I mean, that's, that's fine yeah. too. And 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 in doing so, we also stand against Putin. And it, that is so incredibly powerful, crazy. Mm-hmm. Especially War and Peace could be a, a rallying cry because it's literally about the bad guy is a a dictator, a dictator yeah. who's invading a country. Yep. It's exactly the story, right? Uh, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and Napoleon is portrayed like a freaking doofus in that book. Seriously, Napoleon is like a clown. Tolstoy thinks Napoleon was just an idiot. Like oh. everyone thinks Napoleon was so smart and so, but Tolstoy says all those historians are just groveling at Napoleon's feet. And actually Napoleon was just this third rate, just like flu- fluky who just ended up as the dictator because of like the random failed upwards walk of yeah. history. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, my, I mean, I'm ash- not ashamed, but it, I'll be honest that my strongest impression of a Napoleon image is from like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure where he is a complete doofus. That they, that's you know, where they got it. They must it, have been Tolstoy. They were Tolstoy fans. They were Tolstoy heads. <gasps> that's what you call someone who's into Tolstoy. Of course. Tolstoy heads. The Stoy heads. <laughs> all right, all you Stoy heads. <laughs> And there will be tons more now because we're so many story heads. Russian charming yes, everybody charm into reading it. I mean, I don't think we could have done this like for other things. Like you're not going to fight Al Qaeda with a charm offensive because I mean, I'm fully in support of all multiculturalism and I have tons of friends who are Muslim and I'm totally in support of Muslim religion and people. But unfortunately, it's not as involved in our culture because it is something that only recently has become an immigrant population and only recently has kind of engaged with American culture. So it's it's more of a minority kind of peripheral thing. Well, in but the country is, I'm not, is so I don't know how it works, but this country is set up way differently as far as a top like person who controls right. everything organized. Well, it's still demagoguery. Yeah. I mean, it's still de- it's still all America hates us. No, that's you true. know, and then yeah. every time someone is anti, anytime anybody says anti-Islam stuff, that's just fodder for those demagogues. Yeah. But it's harder to say, well, let's do a charm offensive because, you know, what are the touchstones that you're going to get people to rally around coming from Afghan, Pakistan, you know, these cultures that we don't really have those touchstones to work with. But we have a unique advantage, a unique opportunity with Russian cultural touchstones. Really yeah. unique opportunity. I would love to see it. I would love to see... The CIA, honestly, the CIA should be leading this, right? This oh, is their yeah. domain. They should contact like spooks, right? They should like be sh- waiting in like parking lots with rush with like with like raincoats on and be like, "Hey, so you're the you're the chair of the literature department of NYU. Somebody wants you to get the to- get the the stoy heads. What do we call <laughs> the stoy heads? The yeah. stoy heads. Yeah. Somebody wants you to get the stoy heads riled up a little bit. Can you do that for us?" And then they're like, what? Oh, this is just like 92. I'm just kidding. No, I mean. <laughs> I thought you right. meant like the CIA is dropping into neighborhoods and like hanging out in corners and then like passing people copies of whoa, War and whoa. Peace yeah, out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, they're like, yeah, what is they it? Should. Like, shh, 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 Why not? It, yeah. It. All of a sudden like War and Peace is like available maybe or I don't know. Or, or just, you know, I honestly, I think the CIA could do this. They could say, they could say, we're going to do a charm offensive. It could be called that. You yeah. could even say we're doing it publicly because knowing that it's happening doesn't reduce its effectiveness. Right. So it's you not, could say yeah. this is the charm offensive. Well, you would want to so that it's not so that it's clear what yes. you're doing. Yes. You know, that that's part yes. of it. And then people who are in the media who already are kind of giving Russia like a fair shake, right? 
they wouldn't be called like Russian assets, right? They'd mm-hmm. just be called like people who are involved in the charm offensive as well, right? Now, if somebody said, well, actually, this Putin guy's got a good idea. R- Ukraine really does belong. To-. Then they're obviously like, <laughs> you know, they're a, they're a Vlad head. They're, they're, oh, no. they're on team Vlad. But, you know, those of us on team Leo, stoy heads, you know, we're. <laughs> <laughs> well, this could work, I think. And, and if you can get something like this to show an effective, you know, oh, like yeah. show it being effective, yeah. then it domino effects and other people can try it other places people right, can try right. it in smaller ways larger ways or whatever yeah. the charm same, offenses the become a, oh, yeah. a a tool in the a tool in the playbook right like we ask everybody to be like pro ukraine and it's like yeah and we should all come together and especially if we're providing aid to actually human hum, humanitarian aid to ukraine which mm-hmm. i would far more recommend than just military aid because that just Anyways, there's there's con you know at least it's it's fraught military aid is sort of fraught. I mean, obviously you want them to be able to defend themselves and whatnot, but it's it's fraught to basically be a handout to American military contractors. Whereas if you provide humanitarian aid, you're actually helping the Ukrainian people. Like you're actually helping people who are displaced or need food or whatever they need. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. So I mean, definitely. So, but but a way that you could actually show your support if they announced the charm offensive, you could as a way of showing support promote the Russian arts, promote Russian food, promote mm-hmm. your own Russian heritage. If you're like proudly say, I'm a Russian American and people would be like, we are with you. Like we are, you know, and you could say, oh, we're going to have a Russian dinner and everyone's invited. And, you know, and then people could learn more about Russia and be more ha- Russian people, right? The Russian people. So there's all these ways that instead of being like, oh, I'm Russian and have to kind of hang your head low or something because there's this like conflict, you could actually hold your head up high and be like, no, I'm part of the charm offensive. Like we're going to celebrate my culture and condemn Putin. A lot of the people who live in America from Russia are people who fled Putin. Yeah, they were. They're the absolute, you know, enemies in most, in many cases. I I go down to this Russian, um, I won't say exactly because I don't want to out them, but I go to this Russian establishment occasionally and the people who run it are Russian and they're guys who fled Putin. That's why they're here. They're a great establishment, and I and I like going down there, and it's fantastic. And they they openly are like, we don't like Putin because he's yeah. a jerk. He took all yeah. our land. He took all our money, you know, because he's just a kleptocrat, and he stole a lot of people's money. They're like, we're the most intimately familiar with how much right. that guy sucks. Right, and so those guys have to, like, hang their head low. No, they should be, like, saying, yeah, right. we're the tip of the spear in America, you know. Yep. We could do it with China. We could also do it with China. Because there's a lot of Chinese food that we know about, right? There's there's other things about China that we could learn that people, are, I think, are open to learning. Because I think Chinese culture is very attractive, very interesting. And China's one place where sanctions are really tricky because we can't be like, haha, we're not sending you any of yeah. our stuff anymore. And they're, <laughs> and like, they're like, we're not you sending- weren't in the yeah. first place, buddy boy. That was going the other way. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're not sending you any stuff we're and not- our entire society collapses yes, right, in on exactly. itself. So right it's, it, we're going to need different, <laughs> different tools. Tool. Oh. We're going to need different tools in that situation no point. matter what. You know? So the Chinese charm offensive, I think, could be really interesting. We could all go to that uh, Chinese acrobatic show that they try to get everyone to go to. Shenyun? Yeah. <laughs> we could all I would see Shenyun. that. That's how it looks. Fantastic. I've been to Chinese acrobatic shows before. They rule. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I would always do that. I know. Anybody doing stuff with their body that I have no chance of ever doing with my body, totally. it, it impresses me to the max. I mean, every time. 
But the Chinese Russia, I mean, we're going to see, I mean, we're seeing conflict with Russia right now. Charm offensive, I think, would strengthen the whole, we could continue to give aid to, I, I mean, I'll just say, we can continue to military aid to Ukraine. They could still be doing a great job on the on the, on the the military fight. Yeah. They could, Russia could continue to be screwing up their supply lines and their military could be like handing over their guns and running away and stuff, which is what you hear about. But we could also then disarm the demagogues if we did this charm offensive at home. Oh, so, I mean, that's what know. war is, right? You want to be attacking win. multiple ways in multiple <laughs> yeah. directions. You don't yeah. want to put all your eggs in one basket ever. Right. You and, know? So, and then in the future, which is what a lot of finance, you know, foreign official type people, like if you read these these magazines, these foreign affair magazines and stuff, which, which I do occasionally, mm -hmm. they are all about, especially before this stuff with Ukraine, for the last five years, everyone's been talking about building up in in China, building up in Asia, American you know, military and naval, you know, stuff because they see this sort of conflict with China on the horizon. Yeah. Well, we should already develop this charm offensive so that they can't say they can't, their demagogues, you know, their, their Xi Jinping's and whatever can't say, oh, the Americans hate us. It's right. like, the Americans definitely don't hate us. Look, they had an entire Chinatown festival where everyone was celebrating beautiful Chinese dancing and Chinese music. So I don't think they hate us. Right, and then I that mean, would, it would definitely the sales, that landscape. Sales. Yeah, that landscape makes it harder for those lies to stick. Exactly, for sure. Exactly, and it makes Americans, I think, know what we're fighting for. Why are we fighting? Why are we fighting to help Ukraine? Why are we fighting to help Russia? To, to, to if we could to get rid of Putin? Why are we doing that? The only reason could be because we care about the Russian people, right? Why else would we do it otherwise? Just to score points against a bad guy? No, it's because we care about the Russian people. We want them to be able to live in freedom. We want them to have freedom of speech and not be pushed out of windows because they want to like, you know, be uh, whatever, yeah. a different political party than the, than the president or something. You want every, you want countries to be stable for the people that live in the countries right. so that nobody feels like, you know, at any point another country could come in and say, this is ours now and we own it or whatever, oh you know, God. like yeah. that sort of thing. Definitely you want that. stability in geopolitical regions because that prevents war and that prevents death. And that's a good thing. Yeah. But that's pretty controversial. Are you sure you want to stick by that? I will that? stick wow. my flag wow. in the sand on this hill. Killing Wait a minute. people dying okay. is bad. <laughs> yes. I'll take, that's my war hot take. Is bad. That's my hot take for the day. That's <laughs> Death is bad. I think you had an idea, though, before we started recording, right? Kill everyone on Earth. What? Then there's no more war. Don't tell my no secret more... ideas. <laughs> now my... This okay, is, that was going to be my Scott's first episode. Ideas. Now I have to Scott's think of a new great, one. The new All right. podcast. That's <sighs> great ideas. All right. I'm going back to the drawing board. But we'll I, I really outed you there. I'm sorry about that. I just felt like <laughs> yeah, it was so gonna, apropos. That's a real so betrayal of my trust. Germane. I thought that was oh, a safe. I need to. I'm gonna have to work back from next that. time. NDAs. I'm bringing them. You're signing NDAs. them. It's it. <laughs> There's no more. No more second chance. Okay. Well, we we had a little bit. There's a little bit of controversial episode. I think it went well. I, I think it's. I good. don't want anyone to think I'm a Russian agent. I stand with the people of Russia against all autocratic leaders. In Adam the world. does not appear to be a Russian agent from mm -hmm. this side of the table. Da. I mean. Uh oh. No, okay. But no. no. Say no? I, niet. Niet. <laughs> <laughs> it's something good to think of. I don't. We neither one of us have the power to change this one. But we will talk to Biden though in a few weeks, and then. And that's the He'll that's have the, the power to do. You'll find out whether or not he listens to us. Him. Yeah, he really believes us. I mean, the last few times we've talked to him, we have no indications that well, he, he doesn't. Did what listen we said, to us. we said, give you know, do the financial aid thing, and he was like, okay, he did it. 
So we've got like a red phone. Real pull. Kind of like a Russian. We've got like the red phone. <laughs> the Russian bat phone. <laughs> we've got real pull with yeah. Jack. Well, I think we figured it out. We then. did crack the code. But uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe if some uh, spooks pick this up on their little NSA dragnets and they, and they listen to solutions, maybe they'll be like, oh. Let's do Charm. Yeah, let me actually, I'll make it easier for the CIA and NSA agents. Uh, You can find Adam, you can find Adam Browse (laughs) on Twitter at at AJ Browse, B-R-A-U-S. That's right. Uh, Any agents can find me on Twitter. I'm Scott Maupin, (laughs) at Scott Maupin, S-C-O-T-M-A-U-P-I-N. NSA agents or CIA, you can find (laughs) our whole podcast on Twitter at solutions ftm is yeah. the handle and our website solutions from the multiverse.com you can even email us solution from the multiverse at gmail.com lots of avenues open these 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 international men of mystery are going to be able to access us no problem <laughs> by next episode we'll have an Completely entire vulnerable. like friend group of, <laughs> of agents look at all these great <laughs> who people are tweeting are emailing and <laughs> messaging back and forth with it'll be perfect Perfect. Well, thanks for riding along. I know that's a kind of crazy idea and it's a bit of a controversy. It's a hot controversy. So I don't want to like hurt anybody's feelings. I know people are affected by these things in all different ways. And mm-hmm. I'm super sensitive to that. We want freedom and democracy for everybody. Let's, let's get there. Yeah. I think that was great. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll see you next thanks, time. Bye bye. Bye.